Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Movie Geeks United. We're talking December Blu-rays, just in time for January. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'll also be covering uh, a little of this and that, I'm sure. Uh, I want to let everybody know, in case you're used to tuning into our regular uh, discussion shows, that uh, we just posted a bunch of uh, anniversary shows celebrating anniversaries of various movies. We've been we do it throughout every year, so it's spor- sporadic for any given year. And uh, Adam and I, I think we both done some this. Year. I I know you've done some this year, Adam, and then mm-hmm. I did the Last Temptation, uh, and then uh, I always pillage from Aaron's old podcast, Backed by Midnight, be- uh, with his permission, uh, because he has this tre- these treasure trove of interviews that are not being heard. They're just mm. kind of sitting there. And so uh, so out of the five that I posted last week, uh, I recommend all of them, of course, but there's an interview in the Right Stuff show with uh, Donald Moffat, who just passed away, the actor. Um, there's an interview with Tom Rolfe, who is an Oscar-winning editor for the Right Stuff. Uh, he just passed away a few years back. Um, and then there's a great, like, hour-plus-long interview with Jeff Daniels uh, mm-hmm. for Terms of Endearment that uh, I posted that uh, I, I would recommend everybody listen to it because it's a really instructive conversation about the art of acting, which I go crazy over those kinds <laughs> of interviews. Um, so all of those come highly recommended. Check out our, our archives. All right, before we get to Blu-rays, what's going on? What's new? What's the one thing you want most to talk about at the top of the show. Oh, at the top. Of, oh, oh, jeez. Well, I haven't been keeping up with the news at all. So, uh, so uh, I guess the biggest thing that, that I did this week is I went to go see the new Peter Jackson uh, documentary, which was shown only a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it's called uh, "They Shall Not Grow Old," and it includes. Uh, well, it's it. Consists of all World War One footage that has been uh, that has been painstakingly uh, colorized and uh, refurbished and looks brand new. It's quite surreal, uh, and uh, it's done in the hopes of uh, getting finally getting a World War One uh, memorial at Washington in Washington, which there isn't one yet. And so it's done in support of that for the 100th anniversary of the, I guess it's the end of the war? Yes, the end of the World War One, which was one of the bloodiest wars we've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, uh, so unbelievably, there's no, there's no uh, uh, memorial for it. So, uh, but the film is, is pretty stunning and... Uh, I'm sure it'll eventually make it out on Blu-ray. It was a packed house. Uh, everybody, uh, you know, everybody knew we weren't going to get as many chances to see it on the big screen. So, and it was worth it. It was worth it. It was. It was short. It was. Uh, it, it was only a little bit more than an hour. So, mm-hmm. but uh, wow, well, maybe well, an hour. That's for Peter Jackson. <laughs> that yeah, is, that's a change. Uh, so. Uh, 
And uh, of course, he he came came on and and introduced it via video and everything, and uh, it was quite great, and had a really good score, and uh, uh, it was quite quite amazing to see that stuff. So uh, so good for him. So, but that's the biggest thing that I've seen recently. Mm. What about you guys? Mm. I'm just catching up on some of the awards contenders that I had not had time to catch up with. I, of course, a uh, few of them since the last time we talked. I had not seen Vice the last time we talked, and I mm-hmm. heartily enjoyed it. Yes, um, that's a that is that is a wild movie. Very very you wild. Heartily, you heartily, <laughs> yeah, heartily, heartily yes. enjoyed it. Yes. Not, not hardly. <laughs> not hard, heartily. Yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, quite literally. Yeah, yes. quite literally. Enjoyed it. Yeah, huh? uh, no, no, it's, uh, they throw a lot at you in that movie. I, I think uh, I was so busy watching Christian Bale's performance Which is that remarkable. I think I was missing things uh-huh. that he was throwing at me because I was just so fixated on what he was doing, his mannerisms and all of that stuff, and I had to... Uh, Remind myself, snap to it, pay attention to what's going on. Uh, yeah, uh, because there's so much. Uh, there's just so much. It's yeah, been, yeah. Oh, it could be. It could be seen. It's a movie that you could see again the next day and still get a lot out of it. Yeah. And, okay. Here's it, here's a pet peeve of mine. Uh-huh. Um, when you have a great actor, and uh, you want you you want it to kind of a little jury in this performance, but then there's a director that that can't stop getting in the way. Uh, and the, the big um, example of this is something like uh, Any Given Sunday. It's, al- it's always been Any Given Sunday for me, where uh, oh, yeah. Oliver Stone Oliver Stone stages an argument scene between James Woods and Al Pacino. And, you know, these are two of the most intense actors ever, and you want to see that. But his camera's moving all over the damn place. Mm. <laughs> you can't enjoy the performers at work. Because the director is so consumed with showing off. Well, I will say that this is a very Oliver Stone-like movie, uh, so uh, so the comparison is apt. Uh, uh, but uh, I still I still loved every second of it. Very very funny. Very very uh, bold directorially. Uh, so and, and of course the performances are fantastic. Everything about it is great. Also very funny too. Let's yes. not forget about how funny it is. It is. It is. I, uh, I well, I, I did see if Bill Street could talk. That was another one I was going to bring up. Uh, I think it's pretty well known to all of our listeners that I was not a big fan of Moonlight. I just was kind of, uh, it just didn't do a whole lot for me. So I went into if Bill Street could talk, thinking, well, uh, I felt like it was homework. I I, I feel like mm-hmm. I need to do this, but I'm not really. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I thought fantastic, it was fantastic. Movie. Yeah, yeah. This guy has really grown. This Barry Jenkins, who directed, I, I could see his growth as a filmmaker. Uh, it was a perfect blend of narrative plus the um, the, the the visual aspect of it. Oh that he, man, he's visually good stunning. In, yeah, it is. The musical score is fantastic. Uh, this it's really quite an achievement. I I was totally shocked. Uh, packed, I have to admit, <laughs> packed with great performances. Those two yeah. leads are just fantastic yeah. in it. Yeah, uh, it's uh boy, yeah. everybody's great in it. And uh mm-hmm. uh 
Boy, it's just such a it, it's a stunner. It's a stunner. That that Nicholas Bertel score is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is. It's excellent. Oh god, it's uh, yeah. right up there with the old man and the gun for best score of the year. And jeez, uh, I mean, what can you say? It's it's overwhelming. Go see both. Yeah. Go see Beale Street and Vice in the same day. Boy, you'll be <laughs> yeah. blown away. If you can, that's yeah. true. But yeah, they're they're good. And and for me, it was even more rewarding because my expectations were so low. I, I, you know, based on what I felt for Moonlight, which was not much. I, yeah. I was going into it with a very low expe- expectation level, and and it well exceeded and, and beyond. So well, I, I will revisit it, and uh, I I want to say it is a uh, believe the hype. It's a really good movie. It's really well done. So yeah, it is, it is, and uh, um, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it is it is so brilliant in every in every aspect. So Adam, really if fun. you go into a movie and it meets your low expectations. Uh, <laughs> do you feel like that movie has gotten the job done? <laughs> Pro- probably so. If the expectations are extremely low and and it doesn't fall below those already low expectations, yeah. So I, it helps uh, to go into any movie with low expectations. I think it's true. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you, so you don't, I sub- you don't subscribe to the to the Roger Ebert thing that when he goes into a movie, he wants to love it. Oh, I do. I definitely do. But, I want uh, to. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I I always say, uh, you know, to paraphrase the uh, the title theme from Mel Brooks' The Twelve Chairs, hope for the best, expect the worst. So that's that's always my motto. Yeah. I'm so, I personally, I'm just sort of sitting in there and just uh, and and uh, I tick off things that I don't like, and then at one point there's a there's a point of no, no return, you know, where I'm like, okay, this can't be saved or yeah. whatever. But, uh, um, you know, I do go back and revisit things. Like I have revisited Moonlight, and uh, which is on Ultra 4K HD on uh, Prime right now for a short mm-hmm. time. And uh, I, I like that movie a lot more than I used to, um, a lot more. But, uh, I probably will go back and revisit it at some point, and, uh, you know, just based on the the experience I had with if Bill Street could talk. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It was it's, on my top ten that year. Yes, it was. Yeah. I remember. I remember. Uh, yeah, another great uh, score, Nicholas Bertel. Is, but uh, but I, I got confused with I got confused with Moonlight and Valentino, that John Bon Jovi movie. <laughs> and not to be confused with uh, Valentino starring R- Rudolph Nureyev. Rudolph Nureyev, right? Wow. Directed by Ken Russell. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. hey, I watched. Uh, I was telling Adam before we started the show that uh, here's the big movie I watched this week: <laughs> the, the Wasp Woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, the uh, uh, the old. 60s movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a it's, hammer it's, movie, it's a isn't it? Universal actually made that. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's of special interest to Jamie and I because there's a big celebrity death connected to it, so we... <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and, uh, it's not interesting. Uh, it's it's fine. Uh, it, it, it's in that it's in that wave of, you know, I become an insect kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, because I'm so vain. 
yeah. yeah, it's 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 fine as part of that genre of, from that period of time. And then I watched for the first time from beginning to end, which I uh, believe it or not, I'd never done before. Uh, Some like it hot. Wow. I've mm. throughout the years I've always caught like portions. Yeah. Uh, but never sent through beginning to end. So. Um, yeah. What was your experience? It was a it's a it's a very special comedy. Billy Wilder is just uh, amazing how uh, diverse a career he allowed himself. Oh, yeah, and, I loved him. Yeah, I just loved he him. really he really could do anything. The next night I rewatched Double Indemnity. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, my God, he could do the heaviest like heaviest uh, noirs and the and the lightest comedies. I know, it's amazing. And also directed one of the first films about alcoholism, The Lost Weekend, yeah. which is incredibly yeah. – it holds up incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, you would think a movie that's that you know, almost 70 years old – well, oh, well, almost 80 years old, I guess you would say now, and uh, that it would be dated. And I went back and watched Lost Weekend, and I thought, this movie was so far ahead of its time. It's so well made about tackling substance abuse, you know, in, in a time when they didn't do that sort of thing, so... Yeah, they didn't do... Well, they, uh, uh, you know, sub, uh, alcoholism was major after the war, after mm-hmm. World War II. Uh, just everybody came back an alcoholic because of the horror they'd seen. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it was incredibly relevant for that time, and it still is, and a lot of it's quite still quite horrifying. Yeah. Uh, when he starts seeing the having the delirium tremens and so forth, uh, he's uh, Ray Milan's great in it. Yeah, who, who I think was a real life drunk, from what I understand, according mm-hmm. to Billy Wilder. So <laughs> yeah. that's what he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that brings up a point uh, about uh, James Lipton, because another Billy Wilder's frequent collaborators, Jack Lemmon. I remember he was interviewed on Inside the Actor Studio, and every time James Lipton's asked, what's the moment you're proudest of, or in an interview or something, he says, um, the moment where Jack Lemmon, they're talking about Days of Wine and Roses, and Jack Lemmon says, uh, I am an alcoholic, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the first time he admits it publicly. And and James Lipton just kind of, look, kind of looks at him, and it goes to the fucking next question. <laughs> it's like that's what you brought us up. That you had absolutely no follow through with that. Like you showed no interest whatsoever as to that revelation when he's hanging out there to dry. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. There's a great audio. I guess it wasn't on his card. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't on the card. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, that brings up something good too. That on the Days of Wine and Roses, there's a great audio commentary with Blake Edwards. If you ever get a chance to listen to it, and he he says uh, that as soon as he finished shooting Days of Wine and Roses, he said that was it. I was done with drinking. He said, unfortunately, uh, I think Jack went on a little bit longer after that, <laughs> quite a, quite a while actually, <laughs> or something like that. So mm. apparently, he had some uh, alcohol issues too. So yeah, yeah. It anyway. didn't really. It didn't feel like it showed up in his later career because he, no, he no, started giving some of the best performances he ever gave in yeah, the late in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, but he's he, he's just one of the greats, like you said. But anyway, so some like it hot, huh? You you enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. It did take a little bit of time to get revved up for me, uh, <laughs> but I will I will say that. Uh, 
as problematic as she was, uh, Marilyn Monroe sure was essential to that movie, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's nothing yeah. like that moment where, where Tony Curtis uh, kisses her when she's on stage. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that is that that will just kill you. Uh, well, we, it's it's so touching. Oh, she's she's yeah. great in it. As much and, trouble as she was, yes. She, yeah, and and Billy Wilder always said that she could memorize these long uh, passages of dialogue, no problem. She could just come right in and just knock reel them off. But it, it would be one or two words yeah. that she would stumble over. Like it was the the, the, the it was it was the short passages that were just a couple of words. Th- those are the ones she would keep. Uh, relentlessly tripping over is what yeah. he said. So, oh, yeah. I watched uh, the Magnificent Ambersons uh, disc, the uh, Blu-ray, uh, which is uh, still fan- fantastic, utterly fantastic until the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> and, oh yeah. Uh, God, I could I could just watch. I feel like I could watch that movie every day and still mine things from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that. I was going to say, that damn Robert Wise. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Okay, so you're ready to get blue? I am, ready to get blue, yeah. We'll try to go as... uh, I didn't know you were the blue portion of our show. (laughs) (laughs) Blue portion. (laughs) Welcome to the blue portion, folks. Okay. Well, I will start. We we always go back to the first of the month, December 4th in this case. This is an interesting – well, you know, first of all, it's The Lion King. It's been issued on 4K. I'll just go ahead and say that. But this is uh, indicative of where where the home video business is at, and I'm going to use this as a good textbook example. And it's a little disturbing to me because there was no press release for The Lion King. There were no reviews copies sent review copies sent to anybody that I'm aware of. Even the, the people who work for the major sites had to go buy their own copy. There were no television commercials. They quietly slipped out a 4K release of The Lion King uh, probably as early as five years ago. I would say Disney would have had a, a barrage of television spots, and uh, it would have been all over. There would have been press releases, and it was a big deal. 4K, The Lion King, and nothing. They just put it out there, didn't care if anybody knew it was out there or not. And I, that's a little disturbing to me. Um, you know, this is, this is physical media, so it, it just shows you where their priorities are, and it's obviously not. They're putting it out there. I'm, I'm glad for that. Uh, it's not my favorite movie of all time, but I'm glad that they're putting it out there in 4K. But the fact that they just didn't say anything about it, it's, it's, it's a little it's a little disturbing to me. I don't know. <laughs> it is. It is strange. Does the animation yeah. really improve with with uh, you know with this technology? I mean, uh, animation pretty much looks the same in Blu-ray as it does in 4K, probably. So well, it can't be thing, too much more detail. Well, um, I think the thing that makes uh, that sells the uh, animation in 4K is that you know you have the HDR um, encoding, which is on these discs, which uh, it, it, the inks are a lot blacker. They're more, I mean, the bl- the blacks are a lot more inky, is what I was trying to say. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's it's the colored palette is is much richer. I think that's that's part of what you get because uh, you don't have this high din- high dynamic resolution on standard discs and that's where you really see the difference is uh is in the color scheme 
okay. and all of that. And it, it does it does make a, a bit of a difference if you okay. have the right equipment to to watch it. Yeah. So that might anyway. be another thing is maybe maybe they didn't feel a, a, there were enough people who had the 4K ability to watch. Yeah. Know, 4K, so maybe they didn't feel it was. Economically, maybe they thought you know, they didn't need any help. Beneficial, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe, maybe that's it, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I heard uh, a lot of my colleagues, you know, who get review discs. Uh, I know Bill Hunt over at the Digital Bits, and that's a major site, and he had to go pony up for his own copy in order to review it, which I thought was you know, very disturbing. But anyway, um, so we'll move on. Uh, a keynote release is uh, the Atomic Cafe, the 1982 compilation film of all these um, these 50s safety films where they tell you to duck and cover during, yeah. made during the height of the, the Cold War. Uh, this is a very, very, I think, very good documentary. Funny and scary at the same time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it is one that I would certainly recommend people who have not seen it. But it, it has gotten movie. a new... Yeah, it's very good. A, a nice rematch. Man. My favorite segment of um, Kentucky Fried Movie is the fake uh, public service thing that they do. The the scene cockside and you. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, too. where everything starts falling apart in the in the woman's kitchen. That is great. That, that, that <laughs> segment is so funny. And the emergency brake goes out in the car. It drives through yeah. the house. Her, her, her artificial uh, leg falls off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We, oh, we were just talking about that over Christmas lunch, my family and I, because my uh, the Kentucky Fried Movie is a movie that's really popular in, in my family, and we all can quote it, you know, verbatim mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, we were just talking about that that segment. <laughs> if it weren't for Zine Cogside, you wouldn't have that brassiere you're wearing. <laughs> <Ding>! <laughs> the safety cap on your son's rifle. But, that is that movie is is still, I think, uh, one of uh, John Landis's best. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh it's on Prime uh right now and uh if you've never seen it, it is it is really, really something. It's constant yeah. laughs. Uh, it's one of the best the best of its type. You know. And there is a uh a Blu ray that came out a couple of years ago from Shout Factory where they reunited the Zucker brothers and John Landis, and they all had a roundtable uh, audio commentary uh, recording session while they watched it, and and that's almost as fun as the movie. Listening to them, they point out jokes that I had never caught before just by uh. listening to it. There were things that I had I just never picked up on, and and so it's it's kind of revelatory if you have yeah. not uh, <coughs> yeah. seen yeah. that. Or, it's a brilliant movie. Yeah, it really is. So so Kino continues on. I, we've talked about this. They've uh, Obtained the rights to the Disney Touchstone Library and Hollywood Pictures and all that, and they've released the Puppet Masters with uh, <laughs> Donald oh. Sutherland. <laughs> wow, Donald, Donald, Sutherland. Donald Sutherland is in this. Uh, I believe so. From what it's, it sure looks like him on the box art here. So uh, yeah, it is. It's Donald Sutherland, Julie Warner, and Keith David, and Will Patton and Yafit Koto. <laughs> so what a cast! Wow, that's not a bad cast. Yeah, I remember when this came out. I I never saw it and still haven't, but anyway. um, (laughs) Ringing endorsement. (laughs) Yes. So this next one is another Kino release, and and it it should be noted as being the first produced (laughs) screenplay for John Hughes. 
Uh-huh. And uh, that's a trivia question. What is the first film with a produced screenplay by John Hughes? And I don't think anybody can get this one if you're unless, <laughs> if you're not. Uh, just, it's not something that would come up on anybody's menu, so to speak. Jack's back. No. <laughs> I have no idea. It is National Lampoon's Class Reunion from 1982. <laughs> mm. Well, he probably had a big hand in writing uh, writing the original story that it is based on for National Lampoon, you know. So, you know, because he was a National Lampoon writer. That's right. And uh, had uh, some tremendous, tremendously uh, funny things in that. I I, th- I still think that his National Lampoon work is his best work in his career. I mean, yeah. even including all his movies. I still, uh, I have a guy who's wanting to buy my uh, uh, Breakfast Club poster uh, that's signed by him and Molly Ringwald and uh, Anthony Michael Hall. And uh, I'm I'm reluctant to give it up even for five, $500. So... Uh, but uh, he dropped out. He said, said it was too expensive for for him right now. Almost had it though. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I remember Vacation Fifty Eight was the story that he that he uh, that's that was based yeah. on. You know, it turned into uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, of course. And yes. it's a very funny story if you if anybody has out there has not read the original story. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Is there a is there a collection? There should be a collection of all of John Hughes's work for National Lampoon. That would be so great if they could do that. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. It's 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 so hard to find them now, you know. And uh, I know there's a few collections out there of uh, of not Hughes work, but just of of uh, Lampoon work and. Uh, but I would like to see all his stuff put together. I think that would be a really good, really good read because his stuff is the funniest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll um, I'll I'll go ahead and with another Kino release. This is uh, the Black Windmill with Michael Caine and directed by Don Siegel. This is one I didn't get a review copy of. I I've heard it's kind of mediocre. I don't know. I it really is. Just... It is. Yeah, not one of Don Siegel's yeah finest moments. No, but, uh, or or Michael Caine or yeah, yeah, you know there was he was doing a lot of very average work back then. Occasional good stuff uh, from Caine in the early eighties. Yeah, this is a uh, so Arrow Video has issued the Serpent's Egg, the um, the Ingmar Bergman film that is uh, you know has David Carradine in it. Uh, this has been recently included in the Bergman box set the Criterion put out, but this they've issued a separate release of it with all kinds of new bells and whistles. And is this one in and, English? Um, don't believe so, or maybe it is. I, I, it's been so long since I've seen it. I honestly can't remember. I've seen it, but it's been at least probably a good fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, so for so eight, two different co- of, two different companies have the rights to it. Uh yeah yeah I think I think um, I think it's an MGM title is what it is and I think Arrow gets the distribution on some of the MGM titles as well as Criterion and so they 
I think they, they only licensed it as part of the box set, but any separate releases go to Arrow, oh, I, I think see. is how it works. Yeah, so if you're going to release it as a single platter, then Arrow gets that. So, But, yeah, that Bergman box set, I still haven't had time to get into it yet, but, man, I uh, it's pretty in- incredible. For <laughs> it's daunting. Well, pick a week. Pick a week when you're contemplating suicide, and then <laughs> stick those bad boys in. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we're gonna have to do that one in small doses. I I have a feeling. Um, yeah. So uh, so we're always talking about the early days of HBO. We're talking eighty one, mm-hmm. eighty two. I know this is Dean's favorite period uh, when he used to watch HBO and he talks speaks of it lovingly quite often. And here's one of those titles that used to turn up. I don't know if you remember it, the race for the Yankee Zephyr. I remember I them promoting do, the heck I out of that. I do remember that. I do remember that's probably another Canadian movie. Uh, <laughs> I do remember that. I, that was a, uh, that was a Saturday afternoon type of type of movie. Yeah. Um, mm, boy, but I don't remember much about it. It's Tell us directed about by it. Dave, David Hemmings. I think it's the same David Hemmings from uh, Blow Up. I believe the actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is, and it has uh, Ken Wall and Leslie Ann Warren. George Papard and Donald Pleasance yet again. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know probably uh, I think it was made around that time. Raiders of the Lost Ark probably a ca- uh, made the cash in or something. Right. And they they're going across New Zealand on a search for a World War II Navy cargo plane containing a shipment of valuable metals and fifty million dollars in gold bullion that kind of thing. So okay. Anyway, I just remember you know what you don't you see know, you know what you don't see anymore. Uh, speaking of the the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, ripoffs, you don't see Jake Speed. <laughs> Jake Speed doesn't get the credit he deserves. <laughs> yes. Now you remember what happened last time? You said that you said we don't see memories of me, and then the next month it came out of blue. Yeah. Give the people what they want. Jake, Jake Speed. Speed. Yes. Jake Speed on blue. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's we know that they're clamoring for that one, um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, I just remember HBO in between their their uh, you know they would have those promos in between and those were always so much fun to watch and I'd and, I'd or, watch a whole Blu-ray of nothing but HBO promos. Oh yeah, <laughs> I really would uh, from from that period. That that was just that was just such a great period. Yeah, and uh, they would uh. That was one of the ones that they would used to incessantly promote, I remember. Mm-hmm. So uh, Anyway, so we'll move on to December 7th. And uh, on that day, Superman the movie was released on 4K, which I've heard it really looks good. Um, although I've bought Superman so many times over the years, I didn't, didn't get a review copy and I didn't upgrade. So, you know, but for anybody who is a Superman completist, well, there you go. And then we have uh, now. This is interesting. Uh, Warner Archive has issued the first uh, ever on DVD collection of the color Popeye cartoons, Popeye the Sailor, 1942 to 57. It's the complete works from those years, mm. and uh, these are pretty impressively done. They even over the years they've been syndicated to King Features Syndicate, you know, to television. So these were originally made for Paramount, mm-hmm. and the Paramount logo was chopped off when they ran them on syndication on Saturday mornings or weekday afternoons or whatever it was when we mm-hmm. saw them. Warner Archive has actually gone back in here. They've 
remastered these cartoons, each one separately. Uh, they've brand new transfers, and they've cleaned them up, and they've restored the original Paramount logos to these things. So mm-hmm. uh, ha- it has the uh, disclaimer at the beginning, of course, that these are for the intended for the serious collector because you know, there's probably some politically cor- cor- incorrect elements yeah. that yeah. turn up. <laughs> but um, I'm sure. But anyway, uh, if um, they had ish- they had begun issuing these Popeye cartoons in the Oh, around 2005 or six, and then the DVD market kind of went belly up due to a lot of, you know, um, a lot of pirating and and such, and so they just weren't willing to allocate money to continue the the, the putting out these shorts. But now they've decided there's enough of a market for it, and they're picking them back up again. So, um, are these the same? Uh, uh, were the Fleischers working on uh, on Popeye at this point? Yes. Okay, yes, yes so. they were. They're, these are Fleischer cartoons, yeah. And okay. they were um they had a separate studio in Florida where they were making these things. Mm. The Fleischers had their own outfit down there, uh, according to what I've read and, and heard. So so anyway, um quite quite interesting. So for anybody who's a Popeye fan, these are uh, or or a classic animation fan, really, uh, it's a must. And then the uh, 1980 film starring Joe Spinell <laughs> uh, you know where I'm going with this. Maniac has been Maniac, a, yeah. yeah, a new 4K restoration. Three discs, right? Three discs. Three discs. This set is. Um, we have the first. It's probably, disc. it's probably longer. It's probably more material than that Bergman box set for uh, <laughs> Maniac. <laughs> Well, there is an entire disc devoted to the extras, documentaries, featurettes, um, all kinds of stuff. And there's even a documentary called The Joe Spinell Story, which might be more interesting than the actual movie. That sounds but, good now, because he's, <laughs> yeah. he's in a lot of stuff at that point in his career. Yeah, I rewatched it, to be quite honest, and uh, I, I actually find it kind of boring. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It's just there's not a lot to it. He's just running around killing people and scalping them, and it yeah. just gets a little repetitive and boring uh, after mm. a while. I, mm. I just um, that was my reaction. I do uh, I do play that score from time to time. It's one of the oh yeah one of the discs That's, I have in my car. Yeah, I, I I wanted to mention that because there is a CD of the soundtrack that's included in this set. So that's your third disc. Oh, wow. so you got the movie with the 4K restoration. You got the the extras in the CD, and it's a three disc from Blue Underground. So there we go. For, with and and it's a man. guy. It's a guy that uh, did nothing but compose uh, kind of crappy B, B movies. Uh, yeah. Jay Chataway uh, was his name. I don't know if he's still alive, but I've got a lot of his scores. Stuff like uh, Silver Bullet and Invasion USA, and he, you know, he did a lot of that canon stuff too. Mm. But uh, if he was still alive, that would be an interesting interview for our composer series because, I mean, he composed a, a lot, a lot of B movies, but iconic movies from that period of time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he uh, he's actually still around. It looks like. So we may have to be looking him up. <laughs> well, maybe he's a good guest. I mean, his his last name is Chataway, so you think <laughs> yeah. he'd be. <laughs> uh, well, yes, he, that's, a, that's a good sign. 
Well, you know, he composed also a lot of music for the Star Trek a TV series, Deep, Deep, uh, Deep Space Nine, Next Generation. Oh, that, that's uh, what he went on to do. Mm. Yeah, he did a lot of those, and he did, of course, Maniac Cop, like you said, Missing in Action, and Maniac Cop 2, that sort of thing, and, and Silver Bullet, so... He's got a he's got an interesting uh, resume, uh, for sure. Uh, I, I've 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 got them all on vinyl. All all the G H J Chataways on vinyl. I've got Ten to Midnight. That's not composed by Chataway. That's composed by Robert Rungland or something or that mm-hmm. Bronson movie Ten to Midnight. And yeah. it's, it it's signed by Wilford Brimley. Oh, well, how you <laughs> wow. how unique is, is that? That's been valuable. <laughs> Oh, for that Wilford special Brimley. collector who's looking for a LP signed by Wilfred Bribley. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, <laughs> here's something that's kind of interesting. The um, I'm not saying it's a good movie, but it's an interesting <laughs> – it's a curio. Uh, what, I'm sure you guys remember the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre entry that starred – Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey oh, before God. they were stars. Right. <laughs> the it's, that's the written. first movie I ever walked out of. Uh, ah. I walked. I walked out of it after a half hour. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What, what was the breaking point? It was just so unrelentingly uh, amateur. Uh, I mean, it really did look like a, a couple of high school students, like staging something in the woods by, uh, out back behind their house. And I know that people will say, well, what was the first chainsaw? The first chainsaw was very artfully done. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, but this one was like, and this was directed by the guy, Kim Hinkle, right? Who did the, yes, right. uh, the makeup the effects and stuff in the first one. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's yeah. awful. Have you seen it, Adam? Did you watch it? I saw it when it came out, and I wasn't impressed then. I haven't watched the review copy. There's a director's cut on here, which is about ten minutes yeah. longer, or something like that. And you know, but the, the funny thing about this is, and this goes to show you how many horror fans there are out there. So I, you know, I try to promote these titles on Twitter. I'll, I'll take a picture of it and, and you know give the release date because it's the least I can do. They're nice enough to to let me review yeah. their product, and, and so I want to do that. And I had taken a picture of it and said, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation's coming out next Tuesday. I didn't think anybody would pay any attention to it. My tweet was retweeted about uh, at least a dozen times. There were about 50 likes on this thing. <laughs> people remember this. T- I mean, they were excited, and there were all kinds of comments. There, People were saying, oh, I've been waiting for this for so long, I pre-ordered it six months ago. And I thought, wow, this is the one movie I didn't think anybody would pay attention to my tweet. And <laughs> it proved Dear to be God. one of the most popular ones. So, yep, yep. Hard popular. Yeah, so uh, so anyway, along those same lines, we'll, and that was, that's a Scream Factory release, by the way, that we just talked about. And another Scream Factory release is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Last year they released Silent Night, Deadly Night. So now we have the sequel where the brother of the killer from the first movie is avenging his death, the, the mm-hmm. character from the first movie's death. And um, Well, the back, the back of the... Uh, the, the the Blu-ray says it's garbage day. That's exactly what it says. So uh, that's the tagline. I, I'm not going to say anything else. That's exactly what it says. I'm just reading it to you as it is. But 
What mm. on a Silent Night, Deadly Night? Yeah, on two. Uh, what does that have Silent to do Night? with the movie? Uh, maybe it's a tagline in the movie. Maybe he's taking out the garbage of the people who killed his brother. I don't know. I, uh, never, I still haven't gotten around to it yet. But uh, but again, people got excited about it. So I just you know, for people who are into that sort of thing, want to make sure you know it's out there. That could yeah, be a review a review line. It's garbage day. <laughs> Fiverr made a movie about the assassination of Hengist Moore. I think I taglined it, It's Garbage Day. Because wasn't he killed <laughs> taking out the garbage? <laughs> I think he was, was by, yeah. by, uh, by, by this um, gang. Yeah. Yeah. Gang they, members. Yeah. Did, didn't they, they sur- want the, the necklace around his uh, – it was some sort of necklace or something that his daughter had given him that was – and his daughter was deceased or something of that nature, I believe. Mm, or I maybe don't know about wife. that. It, yeah. It was, it well, was something I, that I, had sentimental value. Yeah, I know. I know his address, where it happened. Wow! Right. So you know, if you're, <laughs> so I'm sure you guys will look at the itinerary in March and you'll say, "Hang us, nor where the hell are we going? <laughs> oh, wow. are we picking up a are we picking up a hooker? What is this? Okay, I'll know you know, for sure." I know exactly. Well, yeah, so Arrow has issued uh, Django, the original 1966, um, a new special mm. edition. So that's uh, there's that. And then uh, Criterion has issued 40 Guns from 1957. And that's good. That's a, that's a Barbara Stanwyck, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Correct. a good movie. And another one of those Kino releases we were talking about, all those uh, – well, no, I'm sorry. This is not a Kino release. This is a Sony Pictures, Toy Soldiers from 1991. Uh, Dante. Yeah, or Johnson. Jim, Joe Johnson. It's uh, – Oh, Daniel no, that's Pichu Small Jr. Soldiers. Small Soldiers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Get them confused. This is, Toy Soldiers this is, is about kids, isn't it? It's about – Yeah. Uh, it's a kid, kid-driven movie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's John Ashton, Will Wheaton, and Louis Gossett Jr., who's not a kid, uh, Keith Coogan, and Arlie Ermey, who's also not a kid. But <laughs> they are uh, they are in that. But that's from nineteen ninety one. Now, now, that, does that movie does that movie have that song on it? That step by step. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but that's a good bet because this came out in ninety one, and the, the Martika song was a hit in the summer of eighty nine. So mm-hmm. very possible. Yeah, That's listen to you pull, pulling out the Martika. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, even geekier. What was the follow-up? It was uh, her remake of "I Feel the Earth Move," the her discified version of the uh, Carol King classic. So. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know too. I've got too much useless knowledge. Guys. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's just it's terrible. So. We have another Arrow release, and this one's worth mentioning for any De, De, uh, De Palma completists. It's a collection of the early films, which have been hard to find on uh, huh. home video. It has Greetings, Hi Mom, and The Wedding Party, which was De Palma's first movie and also the first film of Robert De Niro. So and, this is the, and Jill, uh, Jill Clayburgh is that? Yes, that is yeah, correct. De Niro and Clayburgh, yes. Yeah. So the so, thing it's missing is is get to know your rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Which, but I guess, get to know your. Isn't that on on? Uh, isn't that a special feature on one of the? It's like, it's like on a Criterion disc or something. I think. 
Mm. It may Thanks. be. I can't remember. But these are just the ones that had De Niro and De Palma together working. Um, mm-hmm. That's what these three are. Right. But, uh, you know, I think um, High Mom was rated X. Yes. Which, you know, the X is different today than what it was then. but Or it's not. It doesn't exist today. Of course, the NC-17. But, um, but you know, it, it was these movies were somewhat controversial. Uh, with the, I think the De Niro character, two of them are, are connected. Of course, High Mom and Greetings. Are, Gre- High Mom is a sequel to Greetings, and he plays the same character in both films. And uh, he is obsessed with the JFK assassination. And uh, I, there's a subplot involving that. And, uh, you know, it was very anti-establishment. He's spending, I think the character, a lot of it is devoted to him trying to find ways to get out of the Vietnam War and all that. So, mm. um, now, what movie but, is this? Uh, well, Greetings and High Mom. They're pretty, yeah. uh, oh. they're connected because uh, High Mom's the sequel. And they, uh, you know, it's uh, Garrett Graham is in there, too, I think, in both of them. So, oh, right. Yeah. So he so went back to pretty regularly. Yeah, the Phantom of the Paradise and yeah. other things. So we'll move on to the Shout Selects, which is their Criterion-like uh, <laughs> the special editions that they have um, right. that Shout, Shout Factory puts out. And Hang Hang 'em High is one of theirs. Clint Eastwood, of course, from 1968. And uh, another Screen Factory re- release is The Mangler. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Starring the Robert, Robert England, England thing, Toby yeah. Hooper, I believe, was the yeah. director on that, and um, yeah, Ted Levine, mm. based on a <laughs> Stephen know. King short story. That is right. Yeah. Oh boy. Well. <laughs> anyway, for fans of late career Toby Hooper, there you go. And uh, speaking of Billy Wilder, we were talking about him earlier. Well, Arrow. Uh, Video has Arrow Academy rather had issued last Christmas a limited edition of uh, special edition restoration of the apartment. They uh, apparently it was just gorgeous to look at, and I didn't yeah. get one of them because they were so limited. Well, now they've they put it out as a regular edition, so you don't have to pony up all those big bucks for the limited version. And so the apartment has been reissued by Arrow Academy in this sparkling new transfer that I hear is. Something to behold. I love the apartment visually, and I love uh, I love Shirley MacLaine in it. But I find uh, mm. I find its villain so distasteful that I can't watch the movie. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, Fred McMurray. I just can't. And the situation too is just seems seems absurd to me. Like the guy lending out his apartment for these affairs people are. Yeah, having. I'm not I'm not I'm not crazy about the apartment either. But uh, but but you're right. Shirley Shirley McLean is what's really special about it. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very much, very much so. And I yeah. love, I do love the look of it. I just, uh, I just, uh, I just can't buy the premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is true. So uh, the 1989 film with Donald Sutherland, teaming of Donald Sutherland and Marlon Brando, a dry white season. Uh, uh, Brando well, was nominated for supporting actor for this, wasn't he? Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Susan step up Sarandon. from uh, puppet, puppet Master, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For was, Donald Sutherland. It's true. This is a Donald Sutherland episode. This is like the third title we've mentioned that's had him. They should have. They should have built uh, Puppet Master as a sequel to uh, Don't Look Now and, and just called it Don't Look. <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, I think a dry white season is, uh, well, I'd say it's more than a, a, a little bit better than. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's probably a it's, lot it's, better. It's fine. I haven't seen yeah. I haven't seen it in so long. I have hardly any memory of it. Yeah. It feels so, like it should be a Richard Attenborough movie. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it gets courtroomy, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, the 1968 film that won Best Picture that a lot of people, uh, the general consensus is that it shouldn't have is Oliver, of course. And um, that's been put out by uh, Sony and one of their bare-bone uh, on-demand discs that you can order straight from the company. Even though 2001 really deserved Best Picture that year, I still love Oliver. Uh, it's still a great, great movie. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't uh, decry it winning Best Picture because it really is superb. Uh, I, prefer, I prefer Oliver's story. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, uh yeah, I think uh, I think Oliver is, a, is an amazing amazing score, a great lead performance from uh, Mark Lester, uh, and uh, Jack Wilde is great, and of course uh, Ron Moody as uh, as uh, uh, Fagin, and uh, you know really really great songs. Uh, Leonard Rosser's in there from two thousand one. Uh, geez. It is really something else, mm-hmm. and wow. a really great. It was a movie that I, we would play on uh, the uh, in the store at uh, Kim's Video uh, around mm-hmm. Christmas time, and people couldn't stop watching it. It's a, it's a great movie. There's a, I just mm. happened to notice when Jamie mentioned Oliver's story because. Uh, that's like every ten years they had an Oliver movie. There's Oliver, of course, in '68. Oliver story in '78, and Oliver and Company in '80. Oliver and so Company, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's an Oliver movie every ten years. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, the 1980 horror film Death Ship has been issued by Scorpion, releasing. This stars George Kennedy, Richard Crenna, Nick Mancuso, and uh, is directed Saul by Rubinet. Was it? Yeah, I think maybe so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Canadian movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, it is truly horrible <laughs> in, the, in the and in the best and worst ways, and uh, it's it's depressing to see all those great actors in such dread. But uh, there you go; they had to do it. So yeah, and it's uh, co-written by Jack Hill. The uh... The the writer of Coffee of, and director yeah. of Coffee and Foxy Brown and so that's that's a curio and Spider Baby of course. Well, another Kino release is Foxfire from 1955, starring Jane Russell and Jeff Chandler. Mm. And um, not to be confused with Firefox, the claim no, yeah. movie no from the no 80s. <laughs> no relation whatsoever. Yes. So, well, my parents actually met. At a restaurant called the Fox the Foxfire. Oh wow! That's as a total aside. There's a there's a restaurant called Foxfire. So, uh, but I don't remember the movie, but I do remember that Clint Eastwood from '82, that yeah, Firefox. Of course. And it's also the well, browser I use. So I mean, it's really it's, it's <laughs> Mozilla Firefox. Who said it again? 
Who's in it again? Jeff Chandler and Jane Russell. Oh, so it's is is it a western? No, I uh, no. I don't think so. Okay. Is um I think it's a film noir from what okay. I yeah it's Arizona during the fifties privileged white girl Amanda Lawrence marries half Apache mining engineer Jonathan Dartland who dreams of finding gold in an old abandoned Apache mine. It has some western elements. Yeah, western. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. So. You're speaking of for, um, 2001. Well, the 4K edition of 2001 has finally arrived, and uh, the reviews are pretty ecstatic on this, uh-huh. um, as opposed to what we were hearing about the unrestored version earlier this year. Yeah. It didn't get such good reviews. This one is getting really, really good reviews. Good. And so, yeah, good good things I'm hearing. And Schindler's List was also issued on 4K, also hearing very good things about that. And huh. um, yes, my parents met at a restaurant called Schindler's List. <laughs> 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 uh. um, well, a couple more Shout Selects. Uh, there's there's Shout Select series that we were just talking about. They're special editions. And one is Murder by Death from 1976, which mm. I always thought was a fun movie. It is fun. It's got a great, great cast. Great, incredible cast. Read off the cast. You have the cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got them. It's Eileen Brennan, Peter Falk, Alec Guinness, James Coco, Elsa Lanchester, David Niven, Peter Sellers. Oh, we have Maggie Smith, James Cromwell, Truman Capote. Truman Capote. Walker. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and written by Neil Simon. Yeah. It's The late Neil Simon. Yeah. It's really it, good. It's it a is lot of good. fun. It is good. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. And and um, and the only John Carpenter film to be nominated for an Academy Award. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Starman. That would be Starman. Yes. Yeah. Jeff Bridges got the Best Actor nomination. I a lot of people kind of poo-poo this movie and they kind of dismiss it. I Why? love it. I, I, I love it. I, I, yeah, yeah, I do too. I I hear some. I don't know. You know how it is. Years later, people kind of look back on some it's things. Not horror. Right, probably because yeah, it's I mean, not horror. They, they. I just. Oh, I was duped movie. into watching this non-horror movie. Yeah, hard. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. And but, and yet uh, they order they order TCM the Next Generation six months in advance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I read shocked. I read yeah. some kind of some kind of article was percolating uh, last week that uh, Brando really wasn't very good in The Godfather. He he was lazy. And I was like, oh, my God, here we, that is this revisionist thinking that's going on. Wow. I actually tweeted a, a picture promoting this thing, like I just said that I do, and I, I I tweeted a picture of Starman saying that it was being released, and I, somebody actually came back and responded to my tweet, and they said, yeah, this is one of the uh, the um, one of the John Carpenter titles that no one knows about. I'm, no one knows about it. It was Oscar-nominated, for crying out loud. Yeah. I... It's it's weird. I mean, it has you know some uh, horror elements. It's just not a slasher movie. That's all, and uh, it's just very different. Uh, it's a course. it's a sci-fi romance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 but but it was extremely popular back in the day. Like oh. when we were when we were growing up, it was a very popular movie. Oh yeah, I love it. I just do, and and it's you know I'm I'm a 
sentimental kind of person anyway, and so it just appeals to that side of me, and I just uh, I just adore the movie. I think, I think Karen Allen is fantastic in it. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's such a great premise too. It's such a great premise because you're you're dealing with so many things, you know, grief, and you're dealing with um, this alien traveler who's trying to acclimate himself to everything. There's just a lot of things going on. It's it's just a really I I don't know. I just love it. And and uh, and, uh, you know, good supporting cast. You know, Charles Martin Smith. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, It's it's terrific. It's really and. uh, my score. Uh, yeah, Jack Jack yeah. Nietzsche that we always Jack talk Nietzsche. about. So, yeah. yeah, and and also a great uh, cameo by Mickey Jones. Uh, the scene in the restroom where he uh-huh. assumes that Starman might be gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> quite a good joke, I think. Yeah, Jack Nietzsche so, was quite a composer. Man, they need to release more Jack Nietzsche scores on disc they, because uh, they really man he, yeah. he could he could he could make. Uh, so many great uh, scores with the rim of a wine glass. I mean, it was yeah. Uh, yeah. which I think <laughs> it's true. It's true. The majority uh, of his instruments sound like. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah Cutter's Way has a Jack Nietzsche score, and there is a lot of a lot of that kind of sound in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really. Yeah, does. and he and he, you know, how many scores popularized uh, the the use of the saw, mm-hmm. like Cuckoo's Nest did. I mean, yeah. nobody's like using the saw in scores anymore. Of course, he was a he was a great producer uh, before he was a you know he produced records for uh, hundreds and hundreds yeah. of uh, artists and um, lots lots of surfing stuff too. Lots of surf yeah. stuff, you know. The endless summer uh, is his score, and uh, mm-hmm. he's 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 just a he was just a. Genius! I tell you what, man, yeah. get that get that Chopin sixty six, which is his kind of sixties surfing renditions of Chopin songs. Mm. Wow, uh, pretty a, ama- it's pretty amazing. That yeah, sounds great. He, he was the mentor to Sonny Bono, also. Yes, he, he kind of taught Sonny Bono everything that he knew that he learned yeah. uh, eventually you know, about the record. But I don't, I don't records. hold that against him. <laughs> he accomplished enough in his career. <laughs> Needles and pens, right? That's uh, right. Needles yeah. and pens, and of course you could. He ended. I guess you could give him a little credit for the furthering of Cher's career. Yes, he kind of was behind all that too. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff. They should do a documentary on Jack Nietzsche. That's a good. That's a good subject. I would there, like to see that. There's a you know there's a, a disc series of uh, of uh, compilation series. I think it's up to three or four discs now. Has like fifty cuts of stuff that he produced for other artists. Nice. Mm. That's really, really something else. I've got two of them. Up. Yeah, Very fantastic. Good. Well, um, yeah, and as one other thing about Starman, I'll say the executive producer on that was Michael Douglas, which is kind of interesting. He was on a roll back then, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we'll move on to another shout select. Uh, this special edition. It's the 40th, and it's hard to believe, 40th anniversary on this The Jerk. Wow. And, uh, Great 1979 movie. I know, and <laughs> what makes this edition so uh, kind of interesting is that it has, well, first it has a new remaster of the, the transfer, but it has new conversations with Steve Martin and Carl Reiner and Carl Gottlieb. 
Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. are new features here where I don't think any of the previous uh, editions of the jerk have included the participation of Steve Martin or Carl Ryan. Here's, a, they, here's a question. Yeah. Does it include mm-hmm. – uh, I would like to see again the uh, Oscar-nominated short that, that Steve Martin did. Uh, he didn't direct it, but uh, uh, the absent-minded waiter, have you ever no, seen No, it's that? not on there. That would have been a good <laughs> choice. I I wish they had put on there as a curio because it's not a good movie. It's terrible, actually, but I haven't seen it in so long. The Jerk 2, where Mark Blankfield... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's took good they the left that off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mabel King returned for The Jerk 2. I remember that. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, it was the a, Jerk is a, is a terrific movie. You know who is a big fan oh. of The Jerk? Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. He has a I, man. I, he had crazy <laughs> ideas. So, and and yeah. he, but he had that crazy idea because he liked the jerk so much. And he had a crazy idea of casting Steve Martin in Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, which when you when you think about it, Steve Martin might have been really interesting. He would have been in that role. He would have yeah. been a mm-hmm. lot more, a lot better suited for it than somebody like Woody Allen, who he was rumored to be thinking about too. Uh huh. I was like, Woody Allen. What? Well, we all love the jerk. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so many great gags in there, and I uh, I rewatched it and. Uh, Emmett Walsh. Up. Oh yeah, Emmett <laughs> Walsh is great. Jackie Mason. Of course. Oh yeah. Uh, lots yeah, of cameos in it that are, uh, you know, that are great, and lots of, uh, <laughs> you know, oh god, big laughs in it mm-hmm. all the way through. And- and politically incorrect, you know the cat juggling would never get away with that today, or yes, or uh, you know, and of course Carl Gottlieb appears in the movie as Iron Balls McGinty. Let's not let's not forget that. So yes, <laughs> he has a cameo as well. So anyway, yeah, and I just love that scene where they're playing because uh, Steve Martin always said that he wanted to. He meant it seriously where they're playing. Um, uh, you belong to me. He oh, said that's that wasn't so supposed sweet. to get. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to get laughs, he said, and then people were just laughing all the way through it during the screenings, he said. It was supposed to be serious, uh, but it, it it does turn funny when you think the song's over and she pulls out a trumpet and blows a trumpet solo. So yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that, is, that is funny. <laughs> Bernadette so, Peters is charming in that movie. Oh, it's terrific, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just hoping they'll put out Pennies from Heaven really soon on Blu-ray because I'm really clamoring for that one. Now that one, that one, I would have to, ha- I would have to get that one. Yeah. <laughs> have to get yeah, that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm Warner, Warner Archive. We're looking at you. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if uh, Kubrick watched Pennies from Heaven. I'm sure he did. I wonder if he thought uh, maybe when he was uh, thinking of Steve Martin for Eyes Wide Shut, maybe he was also thinking of that movie too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So we got we got two requests for Warner Archive: Star Eighty and Pennies from Heaven. Let's make that clear. So yes, <laughs> absolutely. They own the rights to both of those. So yeah. And speaking of Warner Archive, here's a couple more Warner Archives: The Seahawk with Errol Flynn from 1940. That's uh, that's, that's great. Been, yeah, that, it is really good. Uh, nice new transfer on that. That's we Michael Curtis, right? It is, yes. Never looked better. And also, this is a title they had a lot of trouble. The, the original elements were in such bad shape. They they had uh, they had to really do some hard work on this one. But boy, did it pay off. The Dark of the Sun, the Jack Cardiff 
Me and Arnold. Oh wow, that is a that is an exciting movie. Yeah, and it looks incredible. And I want to mention that some people who are listeners of our show and friends, I guess we could call them friends and colleagues, did the audio commentary. Uh, Elric Kane, uh-huh. um, who does you know projection booth, and I know Jamie's served on one of the shows with him, and Brian Sauer, who is a fan of ours, he does the um, Rupert Pupkin speaks, and Larry Karaszewski, they are the commentators on this. It's a new uh, commentary that they've contributed. So it's uh, and the theatrical trailer, and of course Yvette Mimeo and Jim Brown, and just ah, oh, it looks great. Uh, have you uh, have you communicated with uh, uh, Karaszewski uh, on Facebook before? Uh, I will chime in on his posts occasionally when he puts something up there that I think is funny or interesting or yeah, I, I, that's about as far as I've gone. Uh, I'd like to get him on the show for the uh, for the 25th anniversary of Ed Wood. Mm. Yeah, that, that would that'd be, be good. Good idea. I can reach out to him. Um, he's pr- he probably would be up for it. Um, he's you know he seems like a, a pretty um, pretty um, such an interesting and, career he and his partner have made out for themselves doing these biopics of outside the box figures. Yeah, but, I mean it's it's held throughout their entire career from. Yeah, you know Ed, Ed Wood to Larry Flint to Bob Crane to you know the OJ to Dolomite to Rudy Ray Moore, like so many big guys, you know so many biopics that they've done, but they do them in such a re- refreshing way. Yeah, they revolutionized uh, that genre. They have. Yeah, yeah, they really, really have, and uh, they're, and they're so good at it too. So yeah. But uh, a couple more Warner Archives. Horror of Dracula is another one. And um, that's Christopher Lee, of course, Peter Cushing, their first appearance uh, in a Dracula film. And yeah, the first, ha- first Hammer. Yeah. First Hammer, Christ- uh, Dracula. Yeah, some really good disturbing imagery in that film that still mm-hmm. holds up, I think. It's uh, very well done. And um, so, uh, and another Warner Archive title is The Thing from Another World, the original Howard Hawks production of, which is uh, quote-unquote directed by Christian Nyby. Christian Nyby, his, his <laughs> editor. Quotes, his, air quotes. Yes. Yeah. But uh, anyway, but that's the official credit. Uh, and while we're speaking of Christopher Lee and Dracula, well, here's another Scream Factory release, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, which was Which the, isn't as good. <laughs> yeah, it was the next one in the series, number yeah. two. Yeah. So, and that's a new special edition with all kinds of new audio commentaries. There's a, a, a horror, uh, the World of Hammer documentary episode, Dracula and the Undead, and there's a documentary called Back to Black, and just a lot of a lot of nice extras there. So, anyway, and then we'll go on to the Twilight Time stuff real quickly. We have uh, Twilight Time apparently has license, has uh, signed a new licensing agreement with Universal. And they're putting out some Universal titles now, which I think is exciting. Uh, they have in February, coming down the pipe, uh, they have um, Talk Radio, the, the Oliver Stone, hmm. Eric Bogosian. That's coming out in two months. That's a Universal title that they're going to be doing. So I'm excited about that, obviously, for obvious reasons. But uh, w- one of their first Universal titles is Anne of uh, the Thousand Days with Jean-Via Bujold. 
and Richard Burton. This was, I think, an Oscar winner for costume design. It was. It was a Charles Jarrett movie. Uh, yes, the same uh, guy who directed Other Side of Midnight. Let's remind people. And <laughs> also the horrible version of Lost Horizon, which I watched on Prime the, oh, <laughs> the other night. Yes. And uh, with the Burt Bacharach, How David Square, it was the movie that broke up their uh, relationship. Partnership. That's right. Oh, yeah. So sad. But, uh, you know, I watched it and uh, it wasn't that bad. I thought it was fine. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was okay, but I think uh, I think expectations were uh, reasonably yeah. high for it, and and uh, some of it's absurd, but uh, I like some of the music in it. I'm a big Backrack fan, so. What was the one song they did? Living together, growing together. Living together, growing the... together is the hit off of it. Yeah, that was the Fifth Dimension covered that, and it, I think it got in the 30s on the pop charts, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it actually did crack the 40, I believe. Yeah. But, uh, but barely. Uh, but anyway, so I'm excited about the new Universal Agreement with Twilight Time. I can't wait to see some of the things that they might dig out of the Universal vaults that are sitting there. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, this is a good start, I think. Um, you know, because it's, um, like I said, uh, it's Oscar nominated, Oscar winner for costume design, and uh, I had never seen it, actually. So, yeah. And another... Uh, Twilight Time title is X, Y, and Z. That's Elizabeth Taylor, oh. Michael Caine, and Susanna York. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting movie uh, from the early 70s. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a campy soap opera. Yeah, it's a soap opera type thing. Love yeah. triangle type thingy. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot, lot of fun. Good. I like those early 70s British movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're just I just dig, dig the atmosphere in them. Yeah, and uh, the final film for Leo McCary is another Twilight Time release, Satan Never Sleeps, starring mm. William Holden and Clifton Webb, mm. made in 1962, as a pair of priests struggle to maintain a mission post during Mao's 1949 Chinese Communist Revolution. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's uh, originally released by 20th Century Fox and based on a novel by Pearl Buck. And in CinemaScope, of course. That sounds good. That sounds <laughs> yeah. good. I'd like to check that out. Yep. And we have A Man Called Peter, starring Richard Todd, and the final film appearance of Gene Peters, who was famously married to Howard Hughes. Oh, okay. So uh, That one I don't know about. Yeah, it's the true story of a, the Scots-born minister... Peter Marshall, uh, no relation to Peter Marshall from Hollywood Squares, but he immigrated to America and became a pastor at Washington, D.C.'s New York Avenue Presbyterian and chaplain of the U.S. Senate. Huh. So, anyway, um, uh, one more Warner Archive release is The Blue Knight with William Holden and Lee Remick, a television Great movie. Great TV movie. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is very exciting for me anyway, because this movie has never been seen in its full length. It was broadcast uh, over two nights for a four-hour time slot, two hours each night. Uh, It was subsequently edited and never rebroadcast in its complete form. This is the complete three-hour and 20-minute version of The Blue Knight, 
And this was uh, a pretty big deal because William Holden was a movie actor, and movie actors normally didn't do TV back in 1973. I think he won an Emmy for it, right? I believe he did. And then, you know, he he did something that not too many actors could do. He bounced right back into onto the big screen three years later with Network, and of course, Mm -hmm. you know, we know that stuff. So yeah, a movie about the dangers of TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But uh, the the Blue Knight has been issued, and I'm so glad that Warner Archive is – because they did Bad Ronald a couple of months ago. They've hinted that they're going to be doing more TV movies. Uh, They own the rights to Guyana Tragedy, and they own the rights to uh, Helter Skelter. I'm hoping those are coming down the park. Probably a million of them. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, they They should do a Blue Helter Skelter thing. Yes, I hope so. Yeah, well, again, Warner Archive, we're looking at you. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Helter at, at its perfect time. At its time, Helter Skelter was the highest rated TV movie of all time. Yes, it would be a good time to release it in uh, the 50th anniversary. And and Guy and a Tragedy, I, I'm surprised they didn't put that out this year because this would have been a good time mm-hmm. to hit. Because, uh, but man, I, I love that one too. I, 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 that one's just never had a good video release, and it's such an interesting movie. No, that's a, movie. that's the Powers Powers Booth, right? Yes, it's so yeah. That's fun, the best. He's the best one. He's the best. Yeah, uh, it's perfect casting. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So uh, anyway, for anybody who's uh, clamoring for this one, Deep Throat has been issued on Blu-ray from MVD Visual. I bet that'll sell. <laughs> So big. <laughs> it's, so big. A, it's so great. It's so great that the manufacturer has VD in its name. Uh, that's <laughs> great. VD. That's right. So yeah, but uh, they have done a a restoration of Deep Throat. I'm not sure that's what we were mm. looking for with <laughs> Deep Throat. <laughs> anyway, um, for anybody who's interested, uh, well, there you go. And Sawdust and Tinsel is another one of those uh, Ingmar Bergman titles that's being released separately from the box. And this one is a Criterion, so I, I did want to mention that. Um, that's one of his comedies. Yep. Believe, it, mm-hmm. believe it or not, he did comedies. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which, you know, is... Uh, Ironic because it's one of his most pretentious titles. Like when people make fun of pretentious foreign films, they come up with something like Sawdust and Tinsel. Like in those Zucker Brothers. Deep Throat and Sawdust and Tinsel. Does does Deep Throat have uh, many extras on it? Uh, not that I'm seeing. It looks like it maybe maybe has an audio commentary, but I'm not I'm not seeing any. Oh. Not, not a so it's bare bone. On this. Yeah. Bare bone. Like seriously, what would you say on a commentary? Uh, the scene, you know, it's you, a little too much to swallow. Yeah, <laughs> too much to swallow. Yeah. Did you ever see that Ron Howard documentary, uh, the Inside Deep Throat? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was uh, yeah. The story on him was that he was so desperate to make his directorial <laughs> debut that he was actually trying to get the financing to make a porn film before Roger Corman gave him the job to do um, Grand Theft Auto, and that he was actually going to do one and call it. Uh, Opie, it was it was going to have Opie in the title. I'm trying to think of what it was. <laughs> oh man! It was, it was going to be an Opie. Opie grows up. Movie. 
<laughs> yeah, something like that because he was going to direct it and play Opie as a as a teenager or whatever as a way to because nobody would give him a job. Oh, uh, he said he was so. He was going to play Opie in a porn movie. Yes, yeah, because that was the only financing. Well, he what could was he going to call it? Uh, Opie does the pokey. <laughs> <laughs> it was well, a funny title. I can't I can't remember the title, but I heard him telling the story. Uh, he said I was so desperate to direct the movie, and the only financing I could get was from the adult. Video. I mean, the adult film industry, and he said they were willing to let me direct a movie, you know, using wow. the Opie character, and well, I was going to do it. That, uh, he wasn't planning to have it Aunt B in it. <laughs> I think I would have been completely wrong. I know that she would have had to bring her uh, Pascal of cats along. But maybe, know, maybe Thelma Lou now. Betty Lynn was cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aunt B and the cats. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, we have one more title, and it's Sudden Fury from 1975. It's a Vinegar Syndrome release, and it's uh kind of it's one of those Canadian thrillers you were talking about. And this one stars Dan Hennessy, Hollis McLaren, Sean McCann. I'm not really familiar with any of these actors, but it's uh you know Vinegar Syndrome puts a lot of these out that. You know, we're kind of drive-in specialties back in the day, and this is one of those, 1975. So, anyway, Sudden Fury is one of the titles. And, um, nice. And, and uh, oh, I did want to mention these. There are two collections of a Dick Cavett show uh, compilations that came hmm. out from S'more Entertainment. Oh, wow. One of them, yeah, there's uh, one's called Inside the Minds of Dick, the Dick Cavett Show, and it's uh, a, a compilation of interviews with, Comedians. It has Robin Williams, Bobcat Goldthwait, Richard Lewis, and Gilbert Gottfried. And most of these were from the 80s and early 90s. And then there's another one called And That's the Way It Is Great Great Newscasters of the 20th Century. And this has Walter Cronkite, Tom Brokaw, Diane Sawyer, Barbara Walters, Dan Rather, Mike Wallace. And it has um, some of the episodes, the guests on some of the episodes. Like it has a June 30th, 1970 episode that has Robert Klein. Uh, Nicholas Johnson and Mike Wallace and Joan Gans Cooney, and then you have um, another one with uh, Barbara Walters from October fifteenth, nineteen seventy, which has Gig Young, Melvin Douglas, Frank Reynolds, and Barbara Walters. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow! Wow! So yeah. They, so anyway, those uh, those Cabot things are amazing to me. Oh yeah! Always they really are. Yeah, they're they're pretty just, just amazing. Just the diverse by diversity of people he had on a. Uh-huh. Stage, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I think that's uh, our Blu-ray wrap-up for the month of December. Uh, that's that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of good. There was a lot of good stuff in there. I think so. I think they've been they they amped up the quality for December. Maybe it's because it was the holidays, but there's some good titles there. They want to get it out by the end of the year for awards contention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually reading the other day somebody's list of like ten best Blu-rays of the year, and that Maniac disc made the list of the <laughs> Blu-ray reviewers' list of the whole year. Uh, he said it was, just, you know, not that he. He said I've seen it twice. I probably never will watch it again, but it's just so well done. Well, as far as the packaging and the the extras and yeah. all that, so I thought that was interesting. But, uh, hey, uh, uh, I just wanted to wish uh, our uh, listeners Happy New Year, and I wanted to send a special shout-out to my friends in the U.K. who sent me a very nice book of Mike Lee scripts 
uh, I wanted to say Happy New Year to Gray, Amanda, Kate, and Holly, uh, who called me on Thanksgiving uh, or uh, on actually no on Christmas, and uh, that was so sweet. It was sweet to to talk to them, and uh, they're really really nice. Shout out to my peeps in Singapore. (laughs) Yay! I don't have any peeps in Singapore. Uh, and you and uh, and Adam has some fans. Yeah, I uh, I'm thinking Graham may have sent me a message too. I'm thinking, but um, yeah, it was it was yeah. Gray Gray sent me a nice message saying that uh, he 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 was hoping that uh, would never stop doing the Blu-ray show because it's manna from heaven. He says uh, for the for the UK mm. listeners yeah. because they they don't they are they don't know about a lot of these. United States releases, and this is their only way of finding out exactly what's coming and, mm. and out. And uh, so, anyway, I got a nice, nice message there. Yes, I did. So much, much appreciated. Yeah, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. 